Well, happy, happy, happy Monday to you. I know that doesn't matter to you in the podcast world, but it's Monday and it feels like Monday. From most of the times that I've come on this program before, I've always been quite a complainer on a Monday. It's always been a lot of travel and games. And if you remember from last week, I was complaining about the people who put my son's schedule together, who had them going to on a weekend from Vegas to Irvine and then all the way down to Santa Barbara on a Sunday. And then my poor son, when his game was over, which they lost and he was in a bad mood, he was seven and a half hours away from home. How is that a good idea? I, it's not. All right. Now, I'm not going to get you into my life until maybe the end, but plenty to talk about. Weston McKinney has been uh, ruled out for the rest of the year. Massimo Milano Alegre has, um, has made that announcement. And it, it, the only thing that would actually put him back on the field this year is if the United States failed to come in one, two, or three, coming in fourth would mean that they, we, we would end up playing in that intercontinental playoff in June, which he could be possibly available for. We don't want that to happen. All kinds of stuff going on in Manchester. Manchester is blue. Oh, that sounds a little bit like Monty Python there. It's blue, but it is blue. It's not red. Horrible, horrible game for Manchester United. And the drama continues for Ralph Rarnick and Chris Armas. I'll throw him. I'm not going to call him Ted Lasso because he certainly isn't. What's funny though, it, it's reminding me of something. Because we had Jesse Marsh's debut with Leeds and he lost. But what's, what's really, I guess irony is in play here. Jesse Marsh loves to wear a visor. He wears a visor all the time. I'm really worried that a picture of Jesse Marsh wearing a visor is going to surface. You know, we, we don't see, he doesn't wear hats right now, unless it's raining or there's a special circumstances. But man, in our day, that dude wore a visor all the time. I'm making the connection to Ted Lasso because Ted Lasso wears a visor, man. <laughs> this is going to get weird if they find that picture. What if I'm the reason? What, uh, what if I'm the first dummy who figured that out? And I just make this announcement and now everybody's searching for pictures. Boy, I just ruined a career. That is a violation. Well, I wouldn't be the first time. Anyway, Manchester United all over the place. And now there was this weird scenario. Cristiano Ronaldo's sisters liking some tweet that fueled some speculation. Now, it wasn't a tweet. I think it was on Instagram suggesting that uh, he was actually not injured. He was just simply dropped by Ralph Reinick. And then they go out there and have a horrible performance. The second piece, if we're looking at the complaints coming out of Manchester over the course of the last couple of days, is a bunch of players are now saying, I've had enough with Harry Maguire constantly in the lineup. So Bailly's looking to leave. That's normal, right? And then, of course, Eric Ten Hag is, is coach of Ajax, has been certainly rumored to be the next manager. And it's so funny because we all knew. we I knew this from the start. I said this from the start. Ralph Reinick will not be on the sidelines next year. He will not be on the sidelines next year. Let me repeat that. Now, it's, it's so funny how everybody's figuring this out now. No, he's not going to be on the sidelines. He's the interim manager and they're looking for a manager. But when he was asked about Ten Hag, he didn't even know him. He had never met him. He's just been observing him. That's all he knows. But all these people are speculating about uh, who the next manager is going to be. But I can, I can guarantee you this. It will not be. It will not be Ralph Rarnick. He looks uncomfortable now. Some of the, you know, the post-game comments. I mean, we were so in, enthused by this. And, and I, was, I, I took some heat because I said he was somewhat like a uh, professor, you know, the way he addressed his first couple of weeks in Manchester. And it was, it was new. It was fresh. It was, it was a, a, a different dialect. It, it was, uh, well, in some of these moments, we lose the ball. And of course, we concede the goal. 
And now we need to chase the game. And um, I think, and it's just, it's the way, I'm not making fun of the way he talks. I'm just saying that wears on you. And it wears on the English. The English are impatient people, impatient fans. You know, Jose Mourinho has lasted as long as he has, but there's, he's starting to wear on people with the, I think, I think we go to, it's not, I'm not making fun. I'm just saying that we're getting to a point now where every time Ralph Rannick gets behind a microphone, everybody kind of rolls their eyes and goes, oh God, he's going to say the same thing. Over and over again. Anyway, Ronaldo not a part of this one. They lose four to one. First goal. I mean, it really set up an incredible tone. It was just a great team goal. It's just it just showed the class of Manchester, Manchester City. And you know, Grealish on the field. So you know, and and Marash on, on the field. De Bruyne gets the first two. The second one not the best. And that's where the criticism really came in on Harry Maguire because the ball does does carry him off of the goalkeeper and and then it comes out and it hits. He should have cleared it and he lets it go through his legs and it results in a goal. Not the best decision. Really annoyed uh, De Gea. He, he was screaming quite a bit. I will get you all, so I'm gonna, we'll go back to that. But, but we're going to get you all caught up in England, Germany and Spain. I have some uh, opinions on that as well. It's been fairly remarkable to see what's going on with Barcelona. And I think it was, it's, what you, it's not what you expect, but it's kind of what you hope for. When Xavi came back, that he was going to be able to turn this thing around. He certainly has. Third place. Third place. As far as MLS goes, the big news is Charlotte has figured out a way to get 75,000 people almost, which breaks an MLS attendance record. It was 74479 was the official announced at the Bank of America Stadium, which is it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. But it's it's kind of, it, it got me going a little bit on Twitter because people are like, how great is this to see that our country uh, have so many people coming to a game and helping our U.S. national team? And I thought to myself, how does 74,479 people in Charlotte go into a game, make our national team better? Newsflash, it doesn't. It doesn't. And, and by the way, it might have been 74,480. I saw a tweet of a guy holding up a, of an infant, and he counts in my book. So I'm going to say 74480 as the official attendance. And whoever that guy is on Twitter who was holding this kid up, uh, well done. If you saw the picture, he had the, you know, had the earphones on, so he wasn't going to hear anything. Uh, he didn't look particularly happy, but very cool. It's very cool to see uh, to see Charlotte break break the record because you wouldn't have maybe you wouldn't have expected that. When you listen to the backstory on that, it really is one of the more underserviced cities in our country when it comes to sports, and they've really kind of caught lightning in a bottle there. Great crowd, bad team. That's the problem. Bad team. That was pretty bad. The previous record, though, in case you were, were wondering, was at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. It wasn't too far off. It's almost like this was deliberate. 73019. So pretty damn close. Pretty cool. The South is getting it right. But that's I think Atlanta did a better job of putting a team out there that was competitive. Uh, Charlotte has yet to score a goal, and they took a great goal from Alvarez. If you saw it, it was phenomenal. All the way top corner. I don't know about the celebration. Don't tell those people to be quiet. Tell them to be louder. I didn't like that celebration. Outside of that, you know, you got a couple of teams that are still crap. And that's, I'm not, I can't say still when it comes to Charlotte, but boy, Cincinnati still have not figured out how to play in this league. They still haven't. And Chicago as well. Chicago, they bring in Shakira. They're, you're, you're thinking, you know, this, this should be, this should be cool. We'll see some, 
some more offense out of them. And that's that's uh, double donuts once again. So they get they get another uh, shutout, but they're unable to get the victory. And, and a lot of news on, on this goalkeeper, Gaga, who is 17 years old, still 17 years old with two shutouts. And a lot of stuff on Twitter about how how amazing it is that he's already got two shutouts and his goal is to get 17 in his, essentially his rookie year. He did get a couple games last year, but Orlando failed to get a shot on goal. In the event the opposition has a hard time even getting a shot on goal, okay, maybe it's your defense, but the goalkeeper always gets the credit. Now let's see how that all works out. So anyway, um, New England gets the win, 1-0 over Dallas. Bruce Arena still figuring things out. Toronto, this was weird. I didn't see the game yet. I'm going to have to go back and watch it. But Toronto, one to four. New York Red Bulls coming coming into town. It's a quick trip. You know, the, the New Yorkers always love to take a quick trip to Toronto, especially when you can run out of there with three points. But pretty pretty impressive start for Red Bulls. They get the three one against San Jose, which isn't saying much. And then they they go to Toronto. So you know, two games on the road and and already six points and leading the league. Not bad, not bad. Kansas City with a sleeper snoozer. Two old friends going at it with. Peter Vermes and Paulo Negamura. Montreal sputters a bit. Philadelphia gets the win on the road. Probably one of the weirdest games you're going to see was San Jose-Columbus. So first half, uh, Montero gets the red card in the first half. I only like 30 minutes in. Went back and forth one-to-one. And then, you know, Columbus grabs a couple. Uh, Zardes makes it three. And then how about Calvo? With a goal in the 90th minute, 90-plus, to get the draw. So they come back three-to-three. Three. So some life in Almeida. I actually believe that those are the kind of games, if he treated every game like that, maybe he'd get something out of that group. Not a whole lot of soccer, though. I got to be honest. Not a, not a whole lot of stuff that would really impress you. It's just a bunch of set-piece goals against and for. But still, at the end of the day, they take, they take a point. I already talked about Chicago. Colorado with a good rebound. You know, losing 3 nothing to the uh, Carlos Vela show last weekend, and then with the response against Atlanta. It was a pretty good team, but they crushed them in uh, 3-0. That's a tough trip, though. I guess it's a different climate. It really is. I mean, you'll find that when you go to places like Colorado, even Salt Lake for that matter, and you're coming from the South or Miami or even Orlando, hard to breathe. It's just different air. It's something to think about. It really is something because, you know, that you get that cold, cold air and you're at an elevation. You know, sometimes your lungs can't handle it. You know, we had, a, we had a player with Atlanta when we went there many years ago who went down with hypothermia. And it was almost the case with the RSL's victory against Seattle. So we're still, honestly, scoreless in Seattle. They, they're they not sleepless, but certainly scoreless. They have had a really horrible start. They lose to Nashville 1-0 at home. And then now they go to RSL and unable to score again. Uh, some, you know, it's a lot of changes in that lineup. So it's kind of hard to figure out where they are. That's uh, something to think about. NYCFC fails to score against Vancouver. Charlotte, we already talked about. They're bad. Alvarez with a great goal. But, but one of the things, which if you didn't catch it, was probably one of the neater moments that I've... Neater. It was one of the cooler moments I've seen in a while. One of the players who plays for Charlotte is Chris Hegart. And Chris Hegart, 12 years ago, was in the children's hospital battling cancer. And Sasha Kleschen went to visit him in the hospital. And it would just so be that, uh, you know, now as fate would be, that, that, they, that Sasha Kleshin is on the field and he exchanged jerseys with Chris. They're the same kid who he had visited 12 years ago uh, who was fighting for his life. I like stories like that. I like that. I mean, Sasha Kleshin, if you know anything about him, is, is huge heart. Great guy. Great guy. Bad mustache, but a great guy. But he's, um, he's a guy that um, I've actually had a, a very short opportunity to coach. I coached him when he was very young, many years ago. But I, I, even then, you could tell that there was something special about him. 
and still prioritizing and knowing what's important in life. His tweet was somewhere along the lines of 12 years ago. I've, my wife and I visited Chris and now look at him. And now they got a chance to exchange jerseys at the end of the game. Regardless of the result, you know, not the best result for Charlotte, clearly a great one for LA Galaxy and a great goal from Alvarez, but pretty cool story. Great that Chris is alive and well and is a professional soccer player. I, I, I believe in this kind of stuff. I have a very good friend, Jonathan Montoya, who we were introduced to during the qualification process in uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. The Make-A-Wish Foundation allows these kids who are you know, really bad off. You know, on most occasions, they'll pay for the trip for the kid to have his final wish, if you will, is to go see a game or, or what it would be. And I was introduced to a kid named Jonathan Montoya. At the age of 15, was suffering from leukemia. Um, and he came out to see the U.S. national team in Washington, D.C. And even at that point, they had to rush the trip because there was a chance that he might not even you know, make it to the next one, which would have been on the West Coast. He was living in New Mexico. So it was a big ordeal to get him out there. And I got to see him a couple of years ago. We still talk. Uh, he is still alive and he has a family of his own. It's one of the coolest things that I, I, I refer to it all the time in life. And you never, you know, you, you, you never stop believing. You never hope is, is such a powerful, powerful, and it's, it can, it can really, it can be destructive, but when hope works out, there's there's nothing cooler than it. You know, I, I'll I'll leave you with this. When it, as far as Jonathan Montoya, a kid dying from cancer, being told that he has a very small chance to to survive. These were his words. I I said um, when he told me that he was given kind of some dire news that this was he may pass away, and he and for a 16 year old kid to look at you and say, "People don't die; they just stop living." That always stuck with me because his plan was to not stop living, and he didn't want to talk about dying. And he survived it. And he's a beautiful man, beautiful wife, beautiful family. Reminds me, I got to give that guy a call later on today. Either way, let's get to the last bit. Uh, Austin is coming out of the gates. 10 goals. 10 goals in two games. So we have another record. 10 goals is the most by a single team over the first two matches in Major League Soccer history. So congratulations to you guys. You know, coming second, third to last. Uh, it didn't uh, look particularly like this was going to be a, a good season. Oh, it was a horrible season last year, but to, to, to come into this season with uh, Matthew McConaughey behind you, all right, all right, all right. He has, uh, I don't know if he's done it, but this team is certainly inspired. So 10 goals in two games. I'll have to check and see who they got next, but don't expect that to continue. That's pretty amazing. And LAFC sputters last night. Another crazy goal from Chara, but... It took a long time for Steve Sharundalo's team to get back in it. They, I think it was a 93rd minute. You know, they got the equalizer. But again, tactically, you have to give it up for um, Gio Savarisi because he held on a long time with a red card. So that's, uh, I think Bravo got the red card. I, I happen to be listening to that one. I didn't get to see it yet. When I say amazing goal, I'm just going, I guess it's uh, Denholm's words um, that I'm going off of. Um, he's probably... Probably right. Also got to hear Rogan Dino on the uh, the pregame show. Always nice to hear the great Rogan Dino, who is a funny guy in real life. Now, I've got a chance to work with him in the, in the past. We did a whole bunch of games together. Now, the last bit before I go backwards, we start talking about all the mess of, of the EPL. A funny moment in the, uh, uh, in the match th th this past weekend, if you didn't see it. So there's a, a left back plays for uh, Norwich. Well, he plays the right and left side. Uh, and his name is Brandon Williams. So there's a, this is pretty funny. In the actual game against Brentford, Christian Eriksen gets beat and 
he just, it, it's a, it's a full blown takedown. Now, Brandon doesn't realize that it's Christian Erickson until he has him pinned to the ground and is about to push him, looks up and sees that it's Christian Erickson. If you've forgotten, Christian Erickson was the one that suffered a heart attack on the field. And it's been quite a story to see him back playing professional soccer, football, I should say. And you know, in the moment where, where Brandon realizes who has tackled him, his, his reaction is absolutely priceless. Go find it if you haven't seen it already. What could have been a bit of a shouting match or even a pushing match turned into a, a really nice hug. I thought Tim Howard did a really good job of describing those images in some of the replays over the weekend. If you haven't seen it, go back and see it. So I guess you would have to say Christian Erickson, Brandon Williams, see what pops up on YouTube. But uh, very cool. I guess I'm remiss if I didn't tell you the rest of the score. So so Lester got the win against Leeds. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what happened with my friend Jesse Marsh. He certainly did his best uh, to prepare the team. And we we all saw the images, if you did see the images, of of the team huddle after the game. Uh, and his comments, post-game comments, were very positive. It feels that uh, this was a huge step in the right direction, which is certainly nice to see. But still, it's not going to get any easier. I was looking at the schedule. The games might favor... You know, certainly getting a chance at, at, at Brentford in the next couple of days is helpful. Burnley has sputtered again against at Chelsea at home. So, so when Burnley loses 4-0 at home to Chelsea, that certainly takes a lot of the heat off of Leeds. And they'll get a shot at each other in the coming, coming weeks as well. Pulisic gets a goal. If you saw the goal, it was, it was a tap in. It was kind of a gift. But still, the, the, the class of Chelsea came screaming through. That was a, a, a wonderful performance by Chelsea. And with all the things going on right now, Thomas Tuchel trying to figure out you know, how this is all going to work out. They, the, the reports are that Roman Abramovich is going to sell the club for $3 billion and is going to be very choosy as to who actually acquires control of, this, of his, his club. Because it is his club until it's not. And it, it, some of the, image, or some of the um, comments attached to that were, look, got to continue with the investment. Uh, it has to it has to stay along the same same lines, which is which is a big ask, by the way. Nobody spent more money than this guy, but he also entered the idea that of the possibility of having a new stadium, which was a, an interesting wrinkle uh, in, in the backside of his comments. So, and other news, I guess Liverpool gets to win. Arsenal, what the hell is going on with Arsenal? Anybody else? Any Arsenal fans out there? Good time to be an Arsenal fan. I love the fact that Arteta was the ball boy. I love that. Go back and watch that if you haven't seen that. Yeah, that's a fun one to look up. If he doesn't do that, if he doesn't run the 10 yards and get the ball immediately to his player, they don't score. I mean, he's not going to get an assist or anything silly like that. But I mean, I, th I thought that was really cool. That was really cool. I guess that's the only advantage of, of having a, a younger manager because you know, Roy Hodgson's not going to get that one. That one's going to be bouncing off of the sideboards. He's not going to... Sorry, Roy. I know. I love you. We're actually, we're actually friends. Mentioning Roy, I do like Roy quite a bit. We actually ran, uh, we, I think we are in Munich. We ran to catch a plane together. And I carried his bags. I guess that's the least I can do. When he was a coach of Switzerland, I scored against him in the World Cup. So he, and he, still, he still holds that against me. Either way, Watford gets the, um, another loss. So this is getting a little tricky. And Arsenal with a 3-2 victory away. Now look, Arsenal's now in fourth. Now they're a point above Manchester United and they still have three games in hand. So it's, and they have to play Manchester United. We'll see where that goes. Arsenal could be a huge spoiler here because it's still all, all there. Even though Liverpool's 1-0 victory over West Ham wasn't a big one, they went out, they went all the rest of their games because they do play Manchester City. They could walk away champions. 
And that would be truly, truly amazing. Moving on to Germany, Augsburg. Augsburg didn't even put the kid in. Ricardo Pepe had to sit and watch this one from what they call the bank, which means bench in German. I used, I used to think that was funny too. They said, are you sitting on the bank? And I was like, I wish. I don't, I don't you know. That sounds good to me. But uh, bank is bench in German. And that's where we found Ricardo Pepe, which, which is really telling. And I don't want to get into that. I have been deemed the bad guy or the villain to be the one that pointed out that this is the way this would play out. You cannot expect Ricardo Pepe to understand the implications of what it's like to get into a, a, a relegation battle. And they are certainly in one. They move themselves almost out of, out of the relegation zone for now, but they just beat Bielefeld. Armenia Bielefeld is the worst team, in my opinion, right now. Hertha is in a bad spot, and Firth is pretty horrible. Stuttgart got uh, a well-needed uh, victory, but I don't really think Stuttgart's going to be the, the one that we're worried about here. Stuttgart will climb their way out of there. I think Hertha will, will fail, and if Augsburg does not figure it out, this is going to get tricky. I, so I'm saying Bielefeld, Hertha, and Firth go down, which is great news to Augsburg's fans. But the fact that Ricardo Pepe did not play, in my opinion, in the very most important game, hands down, when you play against Bielefeld, in Bielefeld, you need those points. And he sat this one out. And they got the victory. And he had to get in his car. And then he had to get the schedule, which is the way the Germans do it. And you don't play. They had uh, essentially their most expensive player, $20 million, running his balls off the next day in training and getting kicked by all the reserves who don't like him anyway. So these are things you got to remember. Just because you didn't play doesn't mean you get the day off. That's not the German way. If you didn't play, sometimes, and you'll see this, and, we, and I've covered the, uh, I played in the league, but if I also, when covering the Bundesliga, in the post-game images, sometimes you'll have some of those interviews happening out on the field. The game's over, but the players that didn't play are in the background, on the field, on the stadium. And usually they do this if they can. So let's say, let's just give you an example. Let's say Wolfsburg is playing in Stuttgart. Because the game has just happened, sometimes those trainers grab those six guys that didn't suit up or didn't play. They suited up and they didn't play. And he will take them out there and he will run them. They're doing doggies on the actual stadium field, which really pisses off those guys, those, uh, those caretakers of the field. They get, oh man, they get nuts. There's beautifulness right there. Enjoy Vegas. Sorry, I, I, every once in a while, I got to wave. I got to wave to the beautiful people that walk outside the glass. I just saw two very beautiful people. There goes four more. There, that's how it works. But it's, it's one of those things where it's going to come down to self-doubt. It's going to come down to perseverance. It's going to come down to character right now for Ricardo Pepe. He's not going to score. He's not going to score. It's going to be rough. Uh, and his movements, in, in my opinion, I've analyzed some of the other games. He's unsure of himself. And as a forward, when you're unsure of yourself or you don't feel like you, you're in the game or you don't feel that you're, you're in form, especially younger players, they'll come back and they'll feel the need to come back into the midfield and help. It's not where they need you. You were bought to score goals. So go get your ass in front of the goal. That's my best advice I could give you. I really want to get on a plane. I do. I just want to fly out there and I want to sit with this kid. You know, I just want to do that. It's kind of like the red moment in Shawshank Redemption. I just got to sit with them and say, this is the way things are going to be. You had your ideas of, and you had the big smiles, and everybody patting you on the back and 20 million exchanged hands. And then it went into some other hands and then some more hands and then some other hands. And then I don't know how many hands we got it, got involved. That's usually the case when $20 million finds its way into uh, the pockets of an agent. But now the, the, the real question is, is you know, 
what, what can you do? And when I took my testing with the Federation and within the test, uh, there was a vision pursuit is, is, a, is an app that we were encouraged to get on, which involved meditation. It involves understanding emotion. Uh, how, do you, how do you deal with emotion? How do you deal with stress? And, and it all comes down to control the controllables. And that's, that's what that lunch, breakfast, or coffee, or whatever the hell it would be. If I, if I got a chance to get on a plane and go see Ricardo, that's what it would be about. I know Greg had, had made his way over to, to England. We saw him last week sitting right next to, uh, to the, the great Kenny Dalglish. And I'm not sure if the other brass was there, but probably would have been better served to go see his forward. It's a nice little trip. It's a nice drive. Actually, that's not really true. If it depends on where you land. It's like Stuttgart and Munich. If you're going in that direction, it's, uh, I don't know. It seems like it's always under construction and there's always these weird rules and you got to bring it down to 80, bring it down to 60. You can't really open it up. Frankfurt to uh, Saarbrück, on the other hand, go as fast as you want. Done that drive a few times. What would normally take you in the United States an hour and a half, it's about a 45, 50 minute ride if you're in the right car. And if you're, if you're scared of, of speed, probably better off to just close your eyes. For those of you who have ever been on the Autobahn and you see one of those seven series coming up behind you, and they just flash their lights and they're like 300 yards away. They just flash their lights and expect you to get the hell out of the way and then they just zip by you. It's scary. It's scary. If you've ever seen a crash on the Autobahn, that's, that's pretty horrific stuff as well. That's what happens when you're going 150 miles an hour. So the Champions League returns this week. I guess this is where it gets... This is going to be where it gets really good. Bayern, they kind of spoiled the party in their last match. They got the away uh, goal. Uh, if you remember the goal, Coman kind of got it late. Uh, but Salzburg with a great performance. Uh, Brendan Harrison with the, uh, with the assist. So 1-1, I expect Bayern to advance. Liverpool has the lead, a 2-0 lead on Inter. So that was a fantastic result for Jurgen Klopp's side. And he can actually possibly tinker with that lineup. Being a midweek game, now, that's Tuesday, so that is tomorrow. And coming out of this week's fixtures, it really is, it's, it's interesting how Liverpool works. Not all clubs do it, do it right. But some teams know how to manage the games when they come fast and furious. And Liverpool's management of a 1-0 victory where they didn't really overexert themselves, pretty smart going into the, uh, the Champions League fixture. So maybe club tinkers around with that lineup a little bit. He did last time, but uh, as a Carabao Cup, Cup though. Man City's got a, a, a beautiful uh, situation, so they definitely are going to tinker on Wednesday. Uh, they have a 5-0 advantage over Sporting. And then if you remember, Real Madrid had the loss and with Mbappe's goal. However, Mbappe's not going to be playing against Real Madrid on Wednesday. Uh, the injury was a knock in practice. We're not entirely sure what it was or how bad it was, but the uh, initial reports were it wasn't too bad. So it, this is an interesting match. This is a, this is a tough one. Real Madrid gets PSG at home, right? All the, uh, there's a ton of storylines that, that we could go into about who's playing, and, but it's really about who's not playing. Mbappe is a game winner. I originally thought it had to be a hamstring, but it was, uh, it was a knock on his, uh, his ankle, I, I, I believe. That's going to keep him out of this. But these are amazing games. This is the stuff that when, when I was working at Fox, that was probably one of the, the most fun you'd have, the, most, the games that you actually looked forward to. This would be one of them, and I certainly Real Madrid getting a chance to make amends of a 0-1 uh, loss uh, to PSG in Paris, and now they'll, they get them at the Bernabeu, and we'll see what happens. 
Well, it only takes one goal for the, make that one a, a, a tricky fixture, but it's it's going to be good. So the, the Champions League is certainly something that uh, uh, you're going to be want to pay want to be paying attention to. All right. So uh, as I said before, from the beginning of the of, of the podcast, I had one hell of a week once again, and I'm blaming it on the organizers of my son, my O nine, which means he's 13 years old. Uh, the organizers of his league, because my poor wife and I, we can't do this. We can't do this. And and this is what I have to do this weekend, right? I have to go to Arizona to play in the USYS uh, um, National Pro, which is usually a showcase for these, these young boys. My boys are 17, 18 years old, but they have the play to stay. Remember, it was like the uh, pay to play. Yeah, but now it's stay to play. So now you have to pay for the hotel that they tell you to pay for. And they put these like, a, you know, horrible rates out there. So you're like, like 300 bucks. I don't want to pay it. I don't want to go. I mean, our, our guys are like figuring out how we can put four or five guys in a room. We're sleeping on a couch. We're, we're you know, pulling in the, uh, the extra bed. But the organizers of these, these, uh, these tournaments are making a killing. They mandate that you use their hotels. And of course, they're getting a kickback. They've already made us pay through the nose just to get there. And yesterday, yesterday, I drove back to California to go see. Well, I had to go meet the kids halfway. Remember I told you that my son played in Santa Barbara, so I didn't make them go all the way. Uh, I literally drove all the way out to Thousand Oaks and then took it from there. So I was in a car for nine and a half hours because of this stuff. Nine and a half hours I'm in the car. It's just insanity. So because of that, because of how far I drove, gas prices were so high. And I, I, look, I'm so used to this. I, I, I have a big Yukon, a big black Yukon. And that's, that's, just our, that's just what we use. That's like our car. It's, that, it's, it's the family car. We, we, we put the car seats in there. The, we use it for soccer. We use it for everything. We have a couple cars, but that that's our car. So my wife said, why don't you take the big one? Because you got to pick them up. Yeah, blah, blah. Okay, okay. So I take the big car. I usually put 90 bucks and that does it. So out of habit, I go, I say, oh, I'll put 90 on 10 or whatever the hell I said. That was like barely half. I actually got somewhere into like, where was I? Barstow. And I looked down, I had to fill up again. It cost me $320 to go all the way to Thousand Oaks and back in my car yesterday. I'm not going to get political about it. I'm just pissed off. This is terrible. And then, and this is, and I, as soon as I did it, I got on the 15, I was heading towards LA and I realized, oh crap, I should have gotten gas in the city or, or at least in Vegas before I got out to Prim because the, the price, I put it on Twitter, $5.87 for a, a gallon. Good Lord. Anyway, that's why it was so damn expensive. And then I got all the way to California and it got worse. Ugh, 300 bucks just to drive? That used to cost 90. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, ugh. Anyway, on top of all those things, this is my complaint, is the fact that we're, we're, we're in, as a country, we're enduring all of this stuff. The world's gone, gone a bit mad again. We're, we're spinning out of COVID, even though Dortmund's game was canceled because of COVID. So it's still there. It's still hanging around. But after all that we've been through, now we got to deal with $6 a gallon. And then these stupid ass organizers are putting me in a situation where I got to drive. I took a picture of it, guys. Nine hour, no, it's nine hours, 47 minutes. That's how long I was in a car yesterday. That's no fun. And I like, keep in mind, I was picking up the five-year-old and the seven-year-old. What do you think that was like? Because we only had one device. Poor planning, dad. Poor planning. Should have brought two devices. Which is also interesting because I got like a hundred people calling me, and and the, so it's adorable. The five year old is in the back seat. She's like, text message, text message, text 
text message. And then she's so good on that. She's swiping away. I'm looking back and like, you know, really important people are calling me and I can't get back to these. Oh God. Welcome to my Sunday. All right. Anyway, we are creeping closer and closer to the World Cup qualifiers. I want to remind everybody that this is not a foregone conclusion that we're in. We might not get in. It's scary. It's scary. Somebody asked me, so what's the toughest place to go in CONCACAF? And I, I and my reaction was immediate, Costa Rica. People say, oh, that's incredible, Costa Rica. Costa Rica is not that bad. No, Costa Rica is the worst. It's the only place that you'll get hit by a, a baggie that's tied up with a rubber band with a, full of calves blood, cow's blood, and a battery in it. And they slingshot it at you from a tree. From outside of the stadium. You, know, you get hit by one of those, it, it changes your life. Only in Costa Rica. We all saw what happened in Mexico. I'm not even going to talk about it because I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm just going to be honest. I'm not educated enough on what transpired in Mexico uh, and Liga MX this weekend. I saw images of people getting kicked in the head and I, I don't know enough to, to discuss it. I don't want to talk about it. I'm not pretending like, like I, I didn't, like it's not happening and I'm, I'm refusing to talk about it. I'm just saying, look, until I know all the facts, there's just no sense in me having an opinion. Horrible stuff though. Horrible stuff. But anyway, everybody said, oh, we can't go. Our next opponent is Mexico. Right? So we've got a three-game set. And, and this, this, I looked at it today. And as a player, this is terrifying. Mexico, March 24th at 7 o'clock at night. Now, in my day, not to, not to go there, but in my day, Mexico always played us. Always. At noon. High noon. We want the sun at the highest point. We want the smog to feel the worst. Seven o'clock at night. Not a completely unrealistic idea that we could get something out of that. Depends on who we play. Jurgen Klinsmann, still the only coach ever to go to Mexico and beat them. I was a part of a 0-0 tie. And I think I coughed up some tar at the end of the game in their locker room. That damn thing hit the floor and started to move on its own. That was scary. But we have Mexico on the 24th, and then we play Panama in the United States three days later. Three days later. So you, you're traveling the day after the game, right? You're going to get in, get a jog and a stretch, and get one practice, and you're back after it in possibly the most important game that these guys will, will be in in their lives against Panama, who will not light up. And then we end the whole thing, to my point, on March 30th at 6.05 p.m. in Costa Rica. And I will still maintain that that's going to be the hardest place to play. And it's not because it's my opinion. Go look at it, folks. The United States of America, ready for this? Since the 70s, has never beaten Costa Rica in Costa Rica. Never. 17 trips. Never won. And now we're going to get to the end of our World Cup qualification. And if, if, if Costa Rica... And this is, this is the scary part, right? If Costa Rica figures it out, their opponents, and, and, they, and they're coming out of a 0-0 against Mexico. But Costa Rica, Canada's already in, has, has, if they somehow figure out a way to make it just as miserable as we feel it is to Canada, and they win that game, and they win that game, I actually, if they win and the United States loses, we are in a world of hurt. 
an absolute world of hurt because El Salvador is out of this thing and that's their next opponent and then they get us. If you look at the standings, if you look at where Costa Rica is on their 11 games, they only have 16 points. But if they gain three, they go to 19 and we fail and we stay on 21 and Panama gets something. Now let's say Panama ties us and we're at 22. Do the math. Do the math. It's not good. They go to 19 to 22, and they're ahead of us going into the last game. That's some scary stuff, folks. Some of you are probably saying, oh, I can't wait. I can't, yeah, I, I, I want to go away. I want to take a nap and wake up a week later and say, how'd that go? Oh, man. Either way, this is Monday. And my Monday is just starting, uh, but this podcast is officially over. I did not mention it earlier. Uh, I am sitting here, by the way, wearing a Calafino jacket. I want to thank the, the, the folks at Calafino. If you haven't discovered Calafino tequila, figure it out. Great stuff. And, it, the, and the story is even better. It's all my boys from the uh, San Diego Nomads. And then Cal, you're going to start seeing Calafino a lot around uh, the soccer world. They're doing some exciting stuff down in San Diego and it's starting to, uh, they're starting to, just the brand is starting to really grow. So I'm, I'm a former Casamigos guy. I am now a Calafino man. Enjoying the Fino life is what they would like me to say. But um, I am coming to you from the Blue Wire Studios here at the Wynn Hotel Resort and Casino in beautiful Las Vegas and with the beautiful people walking by with some really cool white shoes. Let's see if he turns around. Nope, didn't turn around. Nope, he came back. Gave me a smile. Good. Either way, I am done for today. I got to get on with, uh, with my world. I hope the world is uh, treating you well. Uh, for all those folks who are in Las Vegas, enjoy Las Vegas. But the rest of you continue to respect each other. Love each other. Try that for try that on for size. Can we just have love? Love makes the world so much more tolerable. Either way, uh, be good human beings out there. We'll hear you next time.